This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Good morning. It's great to have you with us. Uh, We are in week three of our current series entitled Four Cups. Uh, We've been talking about this idea that God has four core promises that he has for us. Uh, God's made a lot of promises, as you know, but there are four core things that God has always wanted to do in people's lives. Today, we're going to look at the second of those four promises, uh, just to refresh or to review for those that have not been with us. Uh, Those four promises were first revealed way back in Exodus to the Israelites when Moses was getting ready to lead them out of Egyptian bondage. And when they finally came out from underneath the yoke of the Egyptian bondage, they celebrated every year in an event called Passover. It's what the Jewish people call it. Christians call it Easter. And it's where we remember and celebrate freedom and deliverance in our lives. For Jewish people, it's remembering the deliverance from the Egyptians. For Christians, it's remembering the freedom and the deliverance that Jesus brought into our lives when he became the ultimate Passover lamb. It's also what we remember when we take part in the sacrament of communion here. Uh, For those of us uh, that grew up in church and grew up taking communion, I always knew and understood communion to be a cup, a small little cup of juice and a little wafer. For Jewish people, when they celebrate Passover, they actually celebrate with four cups of wine that they, tar- that they partake of during the Passover meal. Uh, each one of these four core promises is talked about and read about in a scripture portion that declares each of the promises. And they celebrate each promise with a cup of wine. That's where the four cups comes from. These promises are promises that that God gave nearly 3,500 years ago, and the same thing that God wanted to accomplish in the lives of the Israelites is the same thing I believe that he wants to accomplish in our lives today. They're first revealed in Exodus chapter 6 when God tells Moses to deliver this message. In this message, there are four statements. Jewish people call them the four I will statements when they partake in that Passover feast. And like the Israelites... We need to know them, understand them, because they are just as pertinent for our lives today. Because there will always be this longing, I believe this, there will always be a longing, a desire for more. And I believe that God does have more for us. So let's look at it, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites, God says to Moses, say this to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out, there's the first promise, from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Second promise, I will free you from being slaves to them, and then I will redeem you. Third promise there, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Verse 7, I will take you as my own people. There's the fourth promise, and I will be your God then, and I like to say, and only then, will you know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Four promises. We looked At one last week, the promise of salvation, which is called the cup of sanctification. And that's the promise of I will bring you out. We've talked about that last week, this idea that God's first desire is simply to get you out from underneath the yoke of bondage in your life. He doesn't change you. He doesn't train you. He doesn't expect you to be all neat and tidy and pristine. He just has to first get you out. Second promise is the promise of freedom what they call the cup of deliverance. I will free you. At first glance, uh, this seems redundant. 
So God's going to get us out of bondage, and then he's going to free us again? Didn't he already do that? No. This is a totally different promise. He not only has to get you out of Egypt, but he now has to get the Egypt out of you. Even though you're no longer a slave, you're still thinking like a slave, in some cases believing that you're still a slave. And even though you no longer have a master, you're acting like you still have a master. That's the one we're going to talk about uh, today. You know, for some people, the word deliverance uh, freaks them out a little bit. Let me just say that deliverance isn't just for people that are possessed or oppressed, but it's for people still struggling with their own sin nature. It's disrupting and interrupting your walk with Christ So you're a Christian, and you keep wondering, am I going to be struggling with this the rest of my life? There are scores of Christians. They're going to heaven, they love God, but they still have issues that they're battling. Habits, addictions, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Listen, deliverance is all about personal freedom. So I'm no longer a slave, but now I need to stop acting like a slave. I'm going to experience freedom, and God wants to set you free. Free. It's important for you to know that it happens after he gets you out of Egypt. God doesn't require that you clean yourself up before you come to him. Listen, you don't clean yourself up to get to God. You get to God so that he can clean you up. And then he offers you the promise of deliverance. The third promise that we'll look at next week is the promise of restoration. What they call the cup of redemption. I will redeem you. Here's the tragedy With cup three, um, when we talk about this next week, we'll we'll reinforce this idea. But in studies, it proves out that 87% of Christians never get to this place. They get perpetually stuck in the second cup. The truth is, God wants to redeem you, which simply means that he wants to put you back to your original intent. You weren't supposed to be a slave. And you're not only supposed to get out of slavery, but then you're supposed to go do something too. Finally, the final promise that we'll look at in a couple weeks is the promise of fulfillment, the cup of praise. I will take you as my own people. The first three promises, very personal, you, 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 and then the tense changes. Now it's about making a difference with the right people, God connecting you to a group, a team, a church, and it's then you will know who God fully is. It's only then. That you fully realize all that he has for you. And scores of Christians never experience all that God has for them because they've never experienced finding and becoming a part of a group of people that they can make a difference with. Uh, God wants to take you on a spiritual journey. Every one of us is on a spiritual journey. Whether you realize it or not, you are. You are somewhere in the process of understanding and realizing all that God has for you and desires for you. And uh, my job as a pastor, our job as a church, is to take you on that journey. I can be somewhat of a tour guide on that journey. Uh, First of all, this morning, I just want to make sure that we fully understand the distinction between the first cup, the promise of salvation, sanctification, and the second cup that we're talking about today, the promise of deliverance and freedom. To understand the distinction, you must first understand the role of salvation in our lives. For most of us, um, the decision of salvation was uh, the easy part. Um, The real work came afterwards. Uh, Now I understand for some of us that it may have been really difficult to come to terms with the belief in God and the idea that he wants to have a relationship with us. But for the majority of us, the real work came post 
salvation. And God did that on purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his, look at that word, grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this because, look at this, it is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. You might say, well, that sounds too easy. Boy, uh, we like to make it hard sometimes, don't we? Uh, Don't ever forget, Jesus said that his yoke was easy and his burden was light. Easy and light. So often in the church, we like to make it hard and heavy. And Jesus says it's easy and light. According to Scripture, salvation is a gift that is predicated solely on believing and confessing. It's really not that complicated. It's not a reward based on something that you can do. Okay, okay, time out, Devin. You're saying if it's that simple, then why does the Bible seem like it's filled with things that we can and cannot do? Well, that's because there's grace and then there are some works involved. But God never wanted any works to be mixed with the first cup. That's a free gift. And in one moment, Jesus can enter your life. If you believe on him and confess your need for him, your trust in him, you surrender to him, and he comes into your life and he literally erases everything in your past, gives you a brand new clean slate, so that you can begin the process of changing. And he puts that in a process completely different than that first promise so that we don't mix the two. Because here's the thing, if you mix the two, if the changing is a part of the salvation process, then you will equate what you did to the change, to change, to the salvation process. And now you're taking credit for it. So he puts it in a completely different promise, totally separate cup. At this point... You've just made the choice to change, but the change, how many know the change hasn't fully taken place in you? Paul talks about the changing process in Philippians chapter 2. Look at what he says in verse 12. Work hard. I tell you, there's going to be some work involved. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Notice, not not work hard to get saved, no, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So you're already saved, but now, now it's time to get to work. And for those of us that have made the decision to follow Christ and you find yourself stuck, Egypt is still in you. I'm going to call you to some hard work because there are some things that God wants to do in you now that you're saved. Let me me say it this way. Salvation takes place in a moment, in an instant, and from the moment you believed and confessed, it happened in that moment. You didn't have to check a card, walk an aisle, even become a member of a church. Instantaneously it happened. But now, now there's a second promise, and it is not instantaneous. It is a process. Look at that verse 13. For God is now working in you, and he's going to do two things. He's going to give you new desires, and he's going to give you the power to do it. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. God's Holy Spirit is going to give you the desire to change and the power, but you're going to have to still do some work. You still have free will, and that's what cup two is all about. Let me, let me explain it this way. We are all 
triune beings. We are made up of three parts. First part, obviously, is our body, the physical part of us. It's a part of you that is seen, that everyone recognizes. How many know your body has some issues? All of our bodies have issues, right? It wants stuff that's not always good for it. It has desires, it has cravings, it has appetites, it has lusts. It has things that it wants. But I promise you, you do not want the body in charge. If the body is in charge, you will lead a very reckless life. The second part of us is our soul, which is the mind, will, and emotions. I have feelings, I have thoughts, I have all these things going on inside of me. I promise you, you do not want your soul directing your life. The person that lets emotions lead them will live on a perpetual roller coaster of sorts, up and down, up and down. Anyone know someone like that? Yeah. If your hand's not up, if you don't know anybody like that, you might be that person. <laughs> Finally, the, the third part of you is the spirit. And this is the part of you that is like God. Genesis says that you were created in the image of God. You say, well, does that mean that I look like God? No, but God is a spirit, and you have his spirit in you, and this is the part of you that lives forever. Now, check this out. When you got saved, that part of you becomes perfect, clean, because God doesn't just forgive sin. He cleanses you from all sin. It's expunged like it never, ever happened before. A brand new clean slate. That's important for you to know because you can only be in God's presence if you're perfect. So Jesus comes into your life and he makes your spirit man absolutely clean, perfect. Here's the challenge for all of us. That's cup one, but the body and soul haven't really taken the journey with you yet. They still have their issues, which explains how there can be Christians who love God or go into heaven who still have their lusts, their depression, and all of their issues. But listen, God does not want you to stay there. God wants you to be free. And here's the secret, and this is the journey that we're all on. You have to now get the spirit part of you stronger than the body and the soul part of you. And when that happens, the spirit will begin influencing the body and soul rather than the body and the soul influencing the spirit. And believe me, you do not want the body and the soul in charge. They do a horrible job of leading you. When the body's in charge, it does not care about what your soul says. It doesn't care what your spirit says. The body says, I'll sleep with whoever I want to. I'll drink whatever I want. I'll, take, I'll eat whatever I want. I don't care how bad it makes me feel, how guilty I feel, how shameful or dirty it makes me feel. I want it and I will do it. And when the soul is in charge, it doesn't care about the body or the spirit. And the soul doesn't care about the body. It will become so depressed, it will actually take its life. I don't care if it hurts my body. I'm depressed. My emotions are in charge. I promise you. You don't want either one of those things leading your life. Now, how many of us can identify with times in our lives when we allowed those parts of us to be in charge? And yet, you could be saved and still experiencing moments when that's the reality in your life. And if that's the case, friend, you're a candidate for cup two. So that your spirit is so strong that it begins to influence the other two and it becomes the dominant force in your life. 
The spiritual word for that is regeneration. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away instantaneously. That moment of salvation. Verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, look at that word, freedom. And we all are being transformed. We're being transformed. There's the process. Into His image with ever-increasing glory, other translations say, from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's a process, a layer at a time. Even after we get saved, and our spirits are made perfect, the body and the soul still have their issues, and they bring with them some baggage. Some of us have pasts that just simply will not let go. Which is why there are three goals that we hope to accomplish in this cup, in this promise. I want you to write these down this morning. The goal, first goal of cup number two is this, victory over sin. Victory over sin. Ultimately, we want you to be free, completely free. Um, let me just define sin this way. Sin is simply what you do to yourself. So, the devil, the devil didn't make you do it. It didn't involve another person. It wasn't in response to a tragedy. No, you just find yourself making bad decisions. So much so that you've asked yourself, is this the way that I'm going to be forever? And the answer is, it doesn't have to be. Look at what Paul says in Romans. By the way, this was written for your comfort. Um, if you think you're the only one struggling with your sin, this, this is an apostle writing this, Romans chapter 7, verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, spirit man, right? Evil is right there with me, body and soul, coming along for the ride, trying to influence the journey. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, spirit man. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me, body and soul. What a wretched man I am. Paul has this moment of man in the mirror seeing all that he really is. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who, there's that word, delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, spirit man. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin, body and soul. Question, question for us here. Was Paul saved? Of course he was. Was he going to heaven? Of course he was. So, you can be a Christian and still need to be set free from the domination of sin in your life. The second goal, second outcome from cup two is this, healing from your wounds. Healing from your wounds. If sin is defined as what you do to yourself, then wounds are defined as what others have done to you or do to you. So it wasn't your fault. Someone hurt you, disappointed you, abused you, took advantage of you. Maybe it was even a family member. Something rocked your world, and you didn't ask for it, and now you're hurt. Now, 
What you are responsible for is how you respond, how you move on. And let me, let me just tell you, if you don't deal with your wounds once and for all, you will get stuck in cup two, and you will never see the light of day of cup three or four. And I want, I want you to know, that is exactly the devil's plan for your life. This is where we're dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Soul is in charge. Emotions are running your life. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. In other words, we love God, we're going to heaven, but we have this crack that we've left open in the window. In fact, if anger or bitterness is something that you're struggling with, I would recommend um, that you go back and listen to uh, a series that we did not too long ago entitled Love One Another. We had one of those weeks uh, where we focus on forgiveness, and I believe it would really be an encouragement to your life if that's something that you're struggling with. But at some point, at some point, you're going to have to let it go and move on because if you don't let go of your past, you'll never see your future. It's a fact. You'll just keep cycling through, perpetually stuck in cup two. So what are you so mad about? Better yet, who are you so mad at? I know this. You will never be able to see the promise of your tomorrow if you first don't deal with the pain of yesterday. And the telltale sign of someone that hasn't fully been set free is when they keep trying to bring the baggage of yesterday with them to the promise of their tomorrow. So many of us try to carry the baggage of our yesterdays into the promise of our tomorrows, and it just doesn't work. As a church, we're committed to creating an environment that is safe so that people know that they can come with their baggage, all the stuff. But our goal is for people to be set free from that baggage. That doesn't happen overnight. That's a process. So you can be near to us and far from God, and we can walk through the process with you of finding God and getting close to God. Amen? The third goal there in cup two is this. Not only do we want to experience victory, not only do we want to experience healing, but we want to experience authority over the enemy. You not only have your own mistakes to deal with, the sin, or other people hurting you, the wounds. But now you have this devil who hates you. And listen, whether you believe that or not, maybe that's too kind of, ooh, kind of out there for you. I've got news for you. You've got an enemy. And he prowls around, the Bible says, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he is intent. He is intent on destroying your life. And at some point... You've got to take authority over the devil. You're going to have to confront the devil head on and tell him to go in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me just say this. Schemes, schemes take planning. And 
The devil is working on how to trip you up. He is an opportunist. Have you ever noticed he always shows up the most inopportune times? Look what uh, Paul said. Not long after his moment, uh, feeling like a wretched man, just the next chapter, Romans chapter 8, he says this. And listen, if you want to take a drink from cup 2, you have to hear this right here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. If you're going to let shame and embarrassment keep you from being free, you will stay stuck. I think this is a huge, huge message, especially for us in the southern church here in the Bible Belt, because we have learned how to play the game. We've learned how to be fake at church. We've learned how to hide our problems. How are you doing? Great. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? And we're gritting our teeth behind our smiles. I've got news for you. You've got issues. I've got issues. And as soon as we raise our hand and say, yep, that's me. I've got them, friend. That's the beginning of your deliverance. That's the beginning of your freedom. But if you're going to hide behind condemnation, you're never going to be free. Listen, I want you to hear this. If the priority of your life is to protect the perception of perfection, you will never experience freedom and you'll never find your purpose. But when we start to get real, we will start the process of experiencing freedom. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 now. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So body and soul are in charge. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, Spirit's in charge here, they think about things that please the Spirit. So then, let your, let your sinful nature that controls your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The Bible says here that there's a reason that we stay stuck. A couple reasons we stay stuck. First one there is condemnation. So I've got to get honest, the fact that I've got issues. But the other thing we've got to start doing is we've got to start thinking new things. Let me ask you this question. What has the most control over what you think? What what controls what you think about? You know what the answer is? Don't we give the answer? Okay. I just know this from being around ministry over the last couple decades. What influences you the most is the people around you. Absolutely. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. It's a fact. It's all about your associations. If you want to change the way you think, you've got to change your associations or who you associate with because, listen, relationships are the key. The reality is, you can make a decision to follow Christ and commit your life to Him. Your eternity is changed instantaneously. But you still don't know how to live free. And the way that we, that, that we experience healing and deliverance will be most tangibly expressed in your life through the relationships that you have in your life. You start figuring out your relationships, and you're on your way, friend, to drinking from cup two. Let me just show it to you in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 13, whoever conceals their sins, right, worried about perceived perfection, 
does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You're saying, well, Devin, you're taking that out of context. That's talking about confessing to the Lord. Really? Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, now we're talking about confessing our sins to God, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, God does the forgiving of sins. In other words, He takes care of what you did, but He doesn't make sure that you're not going to do it again. So, how do I make sure that I don't do it again? Well, here's the other confession. James chapter 5. Therefore, confess your sins to who? To each other. Another translation says to admit your faults to one another and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. You've heard me say it before. But if, if you're the only one that knows about something in your life, you are not safe. God can forgive you. Only He can do that. Only God can forgive sins. But for you to experience full healing, you're going to need God's people in your life. You've got to have the right associations. You get around the right people, the right associations, they help strengthen you spiritually. This is, listen, this is God's recipe. He designed it this way all throughout the Bible. You are a family of God. You are the flock. You are a part of a fellowship. You are a part of the body. What does that mean? That means when you identify yourself with the right associations, you will grow and change. So, here's my job as a pastor. Uh, Some of us, most of us here, have accepted the free gift of salvation. Truth be known, that was pretty easy. Uh, It required nothing more than believing and confessing. You surrendered your life to him. But now, now it's time to work this thing out and and walk it out. I'm just going to give you, very simply, three associations that need to be a part of your life in order for you to begin the process of drinking from cup to the cup of deliverance. Now, this is going to be very, very practical. I just want you to allow me to shepherd you through this. Very simply, here's the, here's the first one, the first association, new association maybe for some of you, and that's this, water baptism. Let me just say, and we will be doing that today, uh, just worked out that we're doing and celebrating with uh, several people today. They're getting water baptized. But let me just say this, baptism does not save you. Um, baptism doesn't save you any more than this wedding band on my finger makes me married. Um, what this wedding band does do is declare to everyone that I'm married. Uh, and some of you need to do the same thing. God always wanted us to confirm an inward decision with a public declaration because it's a new association. Baptism is just that, a public declaration of a new association. You need to, you need to let the world know, I don't live there anymore. My heart and my life, my thoughts are with Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. To which some of you are thinking, I did that as a Child, I don't really remember it. Um, Can I just tell you, um, every baptism in Scripture was post-decision. People believed first, then they were baptized. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted the message, they believed, were then baptized. That says in verse 41 there. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed... As he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, then they were baptized, both women and men. Simon himself believed, 
and was baptized. Be water baptized always was post the decision there. It's an important step in your new association. Second new association for some of you is this. Commit to church. <laughs> that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? And you're sitting here thinking today, uh, I'm here, Devin. Uh, I'm committed. Uh, you know, the, it's interesting in our society today, uh, if you ask people if they go to church, um, if they go to church once a month, they consider themselves committed to church. So interesting, I grew up, you know, in a pastor's home. Man, we were at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night for prayer. Whenever the doors were open, we were there. Um, I, just, I just want to commend you to you to commit in a new way, in a fresh way, in a real way. And uh, let me just say this. It doesn't have to be this church. There are a lot of great churches. There are easily 10 churches throughout Nashville that I myself would attend. I have lunch and coffee with the pastors of those churches. They're amazing people, amazing men, amazing leaders. We have incredible churches. It doesn't have to be this church. We're not the greatest church. We're not the greatest thing. Just find one that's about the promises of God. One that's going to help you get saved, delivered, redeemed, and fulfilled. That's it. You don't measure it by the preacher or the latest guest or the cool people that go there. You you certainly don't measure it by the building. Look at this. Or the coffee or the music. Measure it by this. Are they passionately pursuing the promises of God? And are they facilitating those promises becoming a reality in my life? Just know this. You, You need to belong to a family of believers. People that you serve with, you worship with, you give with, you pray with them. You need to have a church family. Finally, final association for you to consider as you realign your spirit over your body and your soul, that's this. Find a group. Find a connect group. Now, let's, let's not confuse what church is. Because if this is all church is, if this is the only time that you encounter God's word and his presence, your relationship with God will be greatly limited. We like to say it this way. Church starts after church. Yes, I mean, this corporate gathering is an integral part of the Christian faith, but this isn't all that church is or was ever meant to be. This this is a service. And if you always judge church based upon the service, you will always have a reason to leave. You will always have a reason to be disappointed. The reality is, if this is the only component of church that you're experiencing, you will always be disappointed because God always intended the church to be so much more than this in your life. This component of church is designed so that corporately we can come together and celebrate the goodness of God and encounter His presence so that we can teach you and introduce you to some promises of God that you need to grab a hold of and then go do them together. You need to hear this. Part of the deliverance process is going to be contingent upon your willingness to share your life with some people. I mean, really share your life. In order for complete healing and deliverance to take place in your life, you're going to have to move to a place where you open yourself up and invite some other believers into the real spaces of your life. Because I I believe this with all my heart. I listen to this. You can get saved in a row, but you will experience healing and deliverance in a circle. I just believe that. People left to themselves will always be about themselves. 
God knew this. Change will never happen in isolation. You've got to get with some people that help you deal with your yesterdays. And as long as Christianity remains to be a service where we get to treat it like a consumer product, I'm telling you, you will quit it every time. At some point, it will disappoint you. If you never get in a group, you never start dealing with your junk, you never find a place to serve an eternal purpose, at some point, this won't be enough. Quite often, not always, but quite often, the people that become discontent with the service are those that never move beyond being a consumer. They never engage more deeply, and it remains to be all about them, what we can do for them, how we can serve them. And the ones that become most dissatisfied are those that expect the service to be the end-all, be-all in their life. And that's simply not how God ever intended the church to function. Listen, you can, you can choose to keep sliding in and sliding out, never establishing relationship, never understanding what your purpose is. But just, listen, just get ready to become unsatisfied because there is so much more and you're cheating yourself. Forget yourself. You're cheating the world of a person that's not only been saved, but a person that's also been delivered, redeemed, and fulfilled. But I hear it, listen, I hear it over and over again. I sit across the, from people, from the table, from people all the time, and they say things like this. You know, it was good. The worship was good. The teaching was great. We just never connected. We, we just were lacking community in our lives. Now, some of that's on the church, of course. I get that. And we work really hard here at creating an environment where people sense and know that they belong. And part of that, part of that's on you too. Remember what we heard last week? Friendly people make friends. <laughs> you're going to have to put yourself out there. Some of us just think that your aura is just so strong that you're just talented enough and good-looking enough that people will just be drawn to you. Meanwhile, people are sitting around thinking the same thing. I'm just encouraging you today. Begin the process. Walk it out together. I'm telling you, we will not make much sense to you if this is all you experience. It was never God's intention for a service to replace the church. Now, don't get me wrong. I, Lord knows, I am so glad you're here. I remember our first Sunday. I just prayed that someone that I wasn't related to would pull up in this parking lot, right? I just want you to grab a hold of these promises today. Listen, you need to experience victory over sin. You need to experience healing from your wounds. And you need to experience authority over the enemy for you to do that you're going to have to change or introduce some new associations into your life. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.